Wave pool technology is progressing at a rapid rate, and commercially surfable wave pools are opening around the world. Welcome to the Wave Pool Mag podcast. My name is Nick Robinson, and through my guests, we take a detailed look at this fascinating new game. Check us out on wavepoolmag.com. For your curiosity and stoke. Hey there, welcome to another edition of the Wave Pool Mag podcast. Now, we've talked a lot with uh, the Wave Tech companies. We've spoken to Wave Garden twice. We've spoken to Surflex, actually done another, just a brief update with them recently, coming soon. Um, we've spoken with Whitewater, and we just haven't spoken with the Kelly Slater Wave Company, and we haven't spoken with American Wave Machines, because they've been a bit shy, but we managed to get hold of Surflock. And today, we talk about... Surflock and Tom Lachtefeld's story because he originally invented the Flowrider and then sold that to Whitewater West. Now he's creating these incredible pools under the brand Surflock. And they got together a whole bunch of guys and offered the opportunity to Shane Magnuson and Kalani Rob to come out to Palm Springs and create a pool. So basically what they did is they took an existing wave pool, which had been there from a water park days, and they pumped in high-tech surf lock technology and created this incredible wave and they brought out amazing people for i don't know how long they were open for a couple of months and you know it was like ben gravy jamie o'brien casey neistat and all the top surf pros you know italo ferrero everybody and a whole bunch of people you just see their video it's really awesome and they came out and they surfed this thing and just to show that surf lock technology has what it takes to produce a top-end wave pool so let's get into all the details with Scott Polo from Surflock. Scott, thanks so much for joining us on the Wavepool Mag podcast. Nick, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's great to see you. So how's Surflock doing? Surflock's <laughs> we're doing great. It's, uh, it's really busy. Um, I guess never a dull moment in this industry. Uh, a lot of exciting projects um, you know, that we're pumped on and uh, you know, definitely a few more in the pipeline so keeping us keeping us busy yeah i'm sure but i mean it must be really busy and and, and difficult but i mean ending up working for a surf company like Surflock must you know many people would give their bottom dollar for a job in wave tech so how did you get involved yeah right i guess everybody's always you know saying that so i mean that as an, as an accusation it's like how did you get involved oh, no, uh, yeah. you know i think it got involved with most people and everything uh you know i was enamored with the concept um you know growing up in in the Gulf Coast of Florida, where you know you have this beach, uh, you know great sand, great water, but just a severe lack of waves. So I mean, I would uh, just always look at that and imagine waves coming out. But I guess you know you always imagine like wave pools one day where I could live anywhere I want, and surf. But I'll, I'll go into that story, you know, in a in a second. But it's funny, is that you know cruising this, you give them hey, it'll be all fun, and you transfer whatever experience you have before you get into the surf, uh, I guess the wave pool industry. Um, but you better have some, some patience and, uh, <laughs> some resilience, uh, cause it can be challenging, even though the output is fun, it is actually very, you know, very difficult as well. But I got in, you know, like I said, growing up on the Gulf coast of Florida, uh, lack of waves, just got a, enough of a taste to surf, to, you know, be excited about it and always dreamed about, you know, living in California or a place where there was consistent waves because life is just better with surf. And if you surf, you know that and I think it's the reason that we all do this, but, uh, yeah, how I got involved, uh, I moved out to San Diego right in uh, 2008 and through some mutual friends, met Tom Lochtefeld. Uh, and at the time, they were going through that transition from the Flowrider uh, stationary sheet waves into surf pools. 
And when I met him, you know, it had been my lifelong, you know, dream, just like always, you know, fantasizing about, you know. So the, how did you meet him? I mean, did the you sort of call so him up or they, they were going through this transition and they needed some assistance in terms of business development and marketing to go from the, the sheet waves to surf pools. Um, and I had a mutual friend introduce me. Uh, and then when I uh, sat down, I'm like, are you kidding? Like, you're the guy that's been, you know, your life's mission is to do this. And I've been, you know, it was kind of serendipitous. Um, yeah. so once I got that, I just, you know, latched on and, um, basically, you know, just bugged the hell out of Tom for about two years and did some, <laughs> I had a full-time job. I was working in uh, commercial finance, uh, and then just, you know, basically moonlighted on it until he was able to get some funding and we were going full steam ahead on circle. Mm-hmm. So it was just uh, like anything in life, just a lot of resilience and, and focus and, and determination to get in and, and Tom, you know, to get into a circle of trust, it's not easy. So. A lot of the team here, you know, has gone a similar path of, you know, he'll get a feel for you. And then once he gets comfortable, you, you get Just in, persistence so. to try and get in there. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah absolutely. So obviously if, um, surfing in Florida, surfing in San Diego is a whole different ball game. Is it, uh, did it, did you uh, obviously enjoy the change? Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a interesting path. I mean, uh, I learned pretty quickly and I moved out to San Diego without having been here before. Uh, the waves are more consistent, colder water. Um, you know, I learned pretty quickly that nobody uses the term rideable out in, uh, in San Diego. She's like, rideable? What do you, it, it's always rideable. And that's like a key word in Florida. They, hey, we'll push, we'll push a board. Um, but then you, you get, you get used to it pretty quick. You get spoiled pretty quick. Uh, you know, now it's, it's, uh, you know, going out in the morning and it gets cold. I'm like, all right, it's got to be at least, you know, <laughs> four to five feet in good condition. So you get spoiled pretty quick. But once you get used to, um, you know, enjoying your passion and surfing on a regular basis, it's hard to imagine not being able to do that. Um, and that even, you know, fuels my passion for what we're doing because <clears throat> to live by the coast in an area with consistent waves, you know, they're typically more, you know, the higher cost of living, you know, areas to live in the world. So the, the concept of being able to keep your passion and enjoy it, you know, wherever you live on this planet at any time, beyond just the fun or economic input of it, um, I think it just really makes, you know, people live happier, healthier, fuller lives. And then could even, you know, positively impact the culture of a certain area uh, to have access to that sport that's only reserved for, you know, people living by the coast. Um and I think it's something really unique and special that, you know, a lot of people should have access to. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, so what's the most interesting day you've had out in the water? I guess one of the uh, more interesting days that stand out <clears throat> to me in terms of surfing is when I first moved to San Diego. And I hadn't really been in any, uh, you know, I'd been on some surf trips in Costa Rica. I hadn't been on any, um, I guess, really, you know, big waves, like uh, like double, triple overhead yet, you know, with an aggressive crowd. <clears throat> so I was at Pondo Jetty in, in Carlsbad which is in a North County, San Diego. And it was a solid triple overhead. And <clears throat> I was still progressing. It was definitely undergunned on like a, an MR, like kind of groveler type of board. And it was, you know, like triple overhead. And I saw you know, when the sets were coming in, you know, guys were getting really intense. Uh, somebody backed off a wave after they looked over the ledge and they just got an earful from everybody because, <laughs> you know, it was pretty much just the left. So I was like, when you, you know, when you're in position, like you got to go. So I saw the treatment that this one guy had. And, you know, when I looked on the ledge, I was like, it's going to be scary as hell. But I'm like, whatever happens, like, I'm just going to go. I'm just committing. Um, and I did that. Um, it was my turn. And it was one of the bigger set waves. And, uh, you know, <laughs> flew down the face completely out of control. But I made it. Um, you know, you get some, it's always a good feeling. You get some hoots from, you know, people paddling out and people that, you know, see it. And, um, and I guess it was kind of a confidence, you know, boost for me. A lot of times, sometimes just, you know, don't think, just go. And, um, 
you know, so it was one of the uh, more interesting sessions. And also, you know, as you're progressing, it kind of ups like, oh, I was capable of doing something like that. And, and then, you know, you have like in surfing, you know, on days like that, you'll have some of the best experiences like when you make a wave like that and then you get cut on the inside it could be one of the worst experiences <laughs> sure. change change really quickly but then you, you kind of figure out what you're made of and learn just to stay calm out there so i was able to experience the highs and lows in that session but it must get pretty aggressive out there i mean there's obviously a lot of crowds around there and a lot of localism i mean at some spots maybe um it's funny you know being from the east coast and not really having any uh, exposure to, to california surf culture i mean i always thought it would be something like that scene in point break like if you screw up they're gonna kick your ass by the yeah (laughs) (laughs) i was always like you know just being really respectful and ready to go um but i mean for the most part at least in san diego um you know as long as you're doing what you're supposed to you're not you know you know uh i mean you're not dropping in on people back paddling uh it's not that Mm. big deal and a lot of people's bark is worse than their bite um i know i've been to some other spots where it gets a little more actually there's been more aggro and aggressive spots in florida um but it's uh, got more scarcity out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I, especially now during COVID, it seems that there's been more surfers out in water than ever before. Yeah, um, the world over. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the crowds and the lineups, you could tell, uh, have increased significantly. And, you know, we start mixing people in that are, you know, figuring it out, you know, rules of the road. I'm like, obviously, there's there's tensions and frustrations that come up. But, uh, you know, we'll see. I think, you know, with the oncoming um, development of these surf pools, it might be uh, kind of like a press release you know, for some of these spots. Exactly. And also, I mean, obviously it eradicates localism in a pool because you're all online and you've got to go when you're told to go, which is great. So before we get into the story of, of Surflock, um, could you give us a few quick facts about the product? Um, and obviously the, the, the most contentious issue right these days is to energy. Mm. So how many kilowatts per hour are you looking at per ride? Yeah, that's a popular question. Um, so I guess before I answer that, and we do have you know some um, you know some numbers that we can give based on comparable uh, you know wave heights, uh, you know some of the uh, competing uh, techs and venues out there. But um, with with Surflock, there's a lot of optionality um, in terms of the number of chambers or caissons, uh, the wave height, uh, the wave frequency, um, you know what a desired ride time is, and you know we're doing a long period wave, a short period wave. So there's a lot of factors that go into uh, the uh, installed power and energy consumption, you know, for each option. Um, so we make sure to try to match that up, you know, with whatever a, a client is looking for. Like I was saying, if they have, you know, a power ceiling or some restrictions on installed power or energy consumption, we can modify the system to come in under that and meet that. But <clears throat> I would say for um, focusing on some of our larger um, surf pool uh, venue footprints, you know, I guess you would call them like your surf park solutions. Um, you know, to talk the same language as, you know, some of the computing venues out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for about like a five foot, you know, head high wave, and we're talking about energy consumption per ride, right? So I'm talking a split peak, we'll do an A-frame in the middle of the pool. So somebody's going right and left. I'd say it's about four to five, uh, you know, kilowatt hours you know, per ride. So I guess it would be uh, eight to 10 uh, per wave pulse, just like to create okay. that pulse. But then per ride you'd have, and this is just for the advanced section. So you have two riders on that. So breaking that down, you know, per ride, um, okay. I think is pretty critical to point out because, um, you know, when we're creating that it could be sold multiple times um, and using the, uh, you know, the 10 cents, uh, you know, price per kilowatt hour, uh, which is, you know, just the common, you know, I guess, you know, standard people are using, uh, mm-hmm. you know, be about 35 cents to 55 cents per ride for the five foot. And obviously a little bit higher than that, six to seven kilowatts per ride, uh, 45 to 65 cents uh, per ride. For the bigger waves, around six and a half feet, seven feet. Yeah. 
Um, so carrying on with the quick facts, like what kind of water volume does a surf lock wave pool hold? Because obviously you've got multiple sizes and you can create these custom made or whatever. But do you have a standard size that you offer people? Not really a standard size. I mean, it's very much a consulting approach on what's the project's or developer's situation. Um, you know, what's your footprint size, your budget, your business model, your operating vision? What kind of surf experience do you want to deliver? Do you want to focus more on beginners, more on advanced and performance? Do you want to accommodate everybody? Uh, do you want to be able to do for special, you know, for competitions or operating scenarios, bigger waves? You know, then we can do all that inside of a single footprint, but you have to design it accordingly. So, it can be like, hey, you know, bigger caissons, you know, deeper, uh, deeper water, all affecting, uh, you know, your overall water volume. But I'd say you know, for some of our smaller uh, surf pool venue designs, uh, it could be under, you know, a million gallons, uh, like I'd say, maybe like uh, 800,000 gallons to 2 million gallons, uh, which would be like, you know. 4,000 cubic meters to 8,000 cubic meters for some of the smaller ones. And then the bigger surf pool designs uh, being in, you know, the maybe like 4 million to 6.5 million uh, gallons or, um, you know, 15,000 to 25,000 cubic meters for some of the bigger ones, the deeper water. So, and again, that's, so that's, that's on a par that's with, um, that's on a par with like, for example, a, a 48 module wave garden or a 48 case on endless surf kind of that size, right? Yeah, I think it's in the, you know, it's in that neighborhood. Um, but again, you know, we can do in terms of throughput, wave performance, um, we can pack up a lot of punch and a really small footprint if we need to. Um, so a lot of that is just trying to accommodate a client's desires in terms of capacity for the each zone. Obviously, we'll add to the water volume. So. And what about design? I mean, you've, you've got obviously in uh, in Palm Springs, which we could talk about a bit later, um, there was there's a wall of caissons there and they pump out the wave towards the beach. And you're not, um, how do you say it? You're not sort of pumping it all the way along sequentially. So doesn't that fizzle out real quick? You're talking about, um, which is what's the wave inspired it? With Palm Springs, I'm talking about like, caissons. Yeah, exactly. So you start the wave at the back and you've got caissons and you push it through. Whereas, in, in, for example, in Wave Garden, they've got a pair in the middle and mm -hmm. they actually push the wave along as it goes along. So um, what kind of design is the optimum design for you? Are you going to do like, because like, at Waco, it's also kind of different because the wave is traveling along the wall, being pushed by the caissons. Yeah, I guess there's optimal designs. And I hear what you're saying, and this does come up. Uh, there's optimal designs in terms of wave performance and then in terms of, I guess, throughput, rider capacity, you know, and profitability. So we do have sometimes where the caissons are positioned straight along the back of the pool, creating the waves that propagate forward. We also have some designs, phase two Palm Springs will be a little bit staggered. So some caissons and chambers will be set forward um, and reinforce that wave energy once it crosses that zone. So, I mean, again, it, we can really do a lot of flexibility in terms of designs, but to address, you know, the majority of our projects, we do have the caissons back at the, the back of the wall. Um, that's why we do keep our walls uh, parallel, you know, right at the back because it contains that wave energy. So as it propagates forward, it's controlled by the depth and, and you know, not all waves are created equal, uh, you know, knowing you know, a decent about uh, some of the other, uh, you know, wave techs and waves created. Um, I guess it's sort of like we create more of a, a longer period uh, wave. There's a lot more water volume and power and juice in that wave. And we do that because we're going to re-break or recycle that wave on the inside. So that, that power and having those walls parallel, it really does contain that wave energy really well. So as it propagates forward, and then it's a mix of the software and the controls and the timing and the sequence of how each caisson is fired, we call it like, you know, a, a wave profile. Each one is, uh, you know, singing a different tune um, to create a specific wave. And it really does maintain its integrity. But then after that advanced wave, 
you know, I mean, it's more power than most, you know, that, that you can really handle. We actually have to close it out at the end or, you know, sometimes not fire the end case on, just have a shoulder or a closeout section, you know, because you can get some pretty good speed. But as it propagates forward, we control the depths. And then that there's so much juice left over in this long period wave that it, it reforms and breaks as a brand new wave for intermediate to beginners, almost like a Waikiki style, or we can make it four point break um, style waves. You can really just a fun, long runner to get some turns. Um, and it's not just a whitewater residual. It's actually a brand new wave and it takes a lot of water volume being able to do that. Sounds exciting. I mean, what I'm feeling is that it's totally custom built solutions. You don't have one standard. Okay. Here's a park or here's a, here's a, here's a certain size pool. This is what we're setting. You just go and custom because if I said to you, how many pumps do you need and how many waves per hour you're going to generate? It's going to be different on every single installation, right? Yeah, it, it can be. Again, we do have, you know, the base, um, some base products. And, you know, max frequency can be, you know, eight to 10 seconds. Um, if we have, you know, uh, working with a project where, you know, let's say the price per kilowatt is really high or there's a demand charge, um, you know, we can do a different application of the system that would reduce the installed power and energy consumption, you know, by 30 to 40%. Um, you know, do wave on demand. Max frequency for that system would be, you know, 15 seconds. So there are some consistencies, you know, in terms of, you know, the tech and, and how it's deployed. But, um, you know, the, the output in terms of the number of caissons, a lot of that can be, you know, adapted and customized to really best suit each project's objectives, um, you know, budgets and business models. Okay, cool. So we were hinting at this a little bit earlier. We we're talking about Tom's story, Tom Lochtefeld's story with, um, with Surflock. It's a long and hugely successful story, um, obviously bringing the flow rider to, to life and then cashing out. Um, even before the wave pool industry almost really started, because obviously if you're looking at the wave pool industry from the outside, you know, you can't see any, any wave pools launching until 2015 when Kelly Slater came out with his and uh, Snowdonia. So what, what was going on behind the scenes with, with Tom Locksville when, when you started? I mean, he, after he sold Flowrider, what happened then? Was he just, has he, had he always been working on, on the Surflock product? It's funny. I mean, Tom is, it's, he's, yeah, He's been around. He's probably forgotten more about, you know, surf and wave pools than most people will ever know. Uh, yeah. I mean, the guy's just been, you know, I call him like, you know, like the Terminator. People call him like the wave wizard or, you know, he's been, you know, relentlessly focused on this. You know, I, I think, you know, since, you know, because growing up surfing the, you know, the, the reefs in La Jolla, it's just been, you know, his, uh, you know, kind of his North Star that's been driving him. So, you know, at time, you know, going back to the Flowrider days, you know, the, the end goal was always to do what we're doing now is that the technology wasn't there. The, the world wasn't even ready for it then. That's, you know, but the, the flow rider had, you know, it's place and time and it's still wildly successful. Um, and, and, and taking that experience and, you know, what worked and what didn't and applying it has been extremely valuable. But yeah, Tom's always been focused on, you know, doing what we're doing now and creating, you know, you know everybody always says it like, you know, most authentic, but I mean, really goes to, uh, I think, you know, depths and of, of you know, being really specific to create a sophisticated wave technology that really offers an authentic, uh, real surfing experience and a high performance wave. You know, we are, you know, I will say performance first. I mean, he's really hyper focused on that and R&D um, to really create something <clears throat> that allow people to rip um, and be challenged and even create, you know, I guess the, uh, you know, traveling for um, like a surf trip, but going nowhere that's near a coast. Having a yeah. wave be that the wave be that good is really is really what drives him. Mm -hmm. So when you joined up, 
um, and he was working on Surflock. Did you walk into the office and there was this big hangar and, and like a whole bunch of pools in there with, with little small wave generators? And what, what, what did it look like when you arrived? Yeah, when he got here, I mean, first time he come into the office and you see it's, it's like a surf museum, <laughs> a man-made wave surf museum. Uh, there's old prototypes of, you know, flow riders and flow barrels and then, you know, a whole of, you know, a boat uh, concept um, prototype for creating you know, like six, seven foot waves behind a boat. Um, and you, you see like these things just kind of laying around like these, you know, sort of artifacts. So it, it's pretty wild. My <laughs> it really we should make a museum, be, shouldn't we? It really will be a museum one day. Uh, so you see that and it's just incredibly cool, you know, and to, to meet him for the first time. You know, been so focused on the evolution of man-made wave technology, um, you know, back from just being stationary, you know, to where we are now. Uh, it was really cool in seeing, you know, the renderings on the walls of, you know, people getting barreled in, you know, like Las Vegas or just the mountain backdrop. It's just you know, kind of, you know, surreal. And you look at them like, can, can you actually do that? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and Tom said, no, yeah, he's like, yeah, whatever you want. So absolutely. <laughs> But I remember for a long time we were trying to get to, to speak to Tom and he was always saying, look, I don't want to I don't want to talk about vapor waves because I want to talk about real waves. So once I've done one, then we'll talk. And uh, so obviously now you've done one in uh, in Palm Springs, which must have been an amazing experience for you guys to try and just finally have that come out. So, you know, the, the pathway for the prominent wave tech companies like yourselves has been to create a proof of concept and then roll it out to clients. How did you get the waves actually rolling in Palm Springs? Uh, yeah, uh, good question. Well, I guess on, on Tom's that and his quote, yeah, it, we always it's kind of a practice we have here. Same thing as in the ocean, you don't claim a wave until you make it, um, or at least for these, like have it under contract. Uh, so we've always kind of taken that a conservative approach. But in terms of uh, Palm Springs, which was you know a very critical and, and pivotal project for us, uh, you know, having Tom with his history um, and, and wave generation, but us in terms of the surf industry, uh, surf pool industry, still being relatively new um, and really we need to get that proof of concept out there. So, you know, I guess long story short and how we got the waves in Palm Springs, um, Tom with his background in water park uh, development and operation was able to identify this opportunity. Um, you know, the Palm Springs are wet and wild uh, Palm Springs, um, which is actually a, uh, a pool that was, uh, you know, I think designed and engineered by you know, one of our uh, European engineers a long time ago. Um, but yeah, well, he, he was able to identify the opportunity, get control over the, the site and the project, uh, you know, and then helped, I guess, you know, bridge the acquisition and the deal to the, uh, you know, the current Palm Springs development team. And then uh, started oh, So out. he brought it to them? Yeah. So Tom, Tom brought it to them and said, hey, guys, this is a great location. Let's, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a couple of different ways, you know, to go about it, develop our own. And, you know, at the time, we ran into those guys with, you know, like Sean and Kalani and um, you know, they're fired up and ready to go. And, you know, obviously with, with Shane's experience and, and, uh, with BSR and in the wave tech industry was really dialed into all the techs. And when he saw what we were doing, you know, the light kind of went on, uh, and these guys were just, you know, switched on from day one. So, you know, plug those guys in. Um, and then we were off to the races and then a couple different, uh, paths of, you know, Hey, do we just retrofit that existing water park wave pool and operate that box? still keep retaining the water park business. Uh, you know, that was one option or just go right into a full, you know, surf park. So I guess we settled in the middle, turned out to just retrofit that water park wave pool. So all we did was tear out the old wave chambers, put in new wave chambers and our equipment, but no modifications were done to the depth and design of that water park pool. So uh, I always use the analogy. It was like we uh, 
put a Ferrari engine in a Prius. Um, it was really impressive. Uh, I mean, it exceeded my expectations with the waves that were generated there and a huge testament to Shane and his ability. I mean, he's got, got another gear to create and customize these waves. Um, but, you know, with a, with the, you know, bathymetry and design getting wide really quick, it's definitely not optimized for high performance surf. Um, but actually to create what we did, you know, we were really excited. Um, and I think, you know, in terms of what that'll be for phase two, you know, only seeing about 70% of what's possible. You know, for Palm Springs. So when you when you planned that that pull in uh, um, in Palm Springs, you obviously must have known exactly what was going to happen. And did it pan out that way? Yeah, yeah. So to give you a, a little bit of an insight into our our validation process, so we built um, we have a few different methods, uh, all leading basically to engineering and guaranteeing the the wave performance of you know of each wave you know we develop. So it'll start. You know, in the uh, in a computer model, you're doing computer simulations, uh, basically plugging in you know the physical dimensions and uh, you know, very sophisticated software that goes into doing that, and then we would match that with a scale model, which we have built of uh, you know the Palm Springs uh, Surf Club Phase One water park pool is built right in the you know the back of our office outside, and, and that's uh, part of the museum now. Actually, that's one of the new additions to the museum. Yeah. And it was, yeah. you know, it was interesting um, because then, you know, when you got the deal going then you know, Shane and Kalani came out and they even, uh, you know, camped out at the office for a couple of days and they were out there digging holes and swinging hammers with us to, to build this scale model. So it was really interesting to be <laughs> for one of the first times meeting them just to be side by side doing manual labor, um, you know, <laughs> and building this. So, but what we do is once everything was built, and, you know, perfect to scale and make sure that they match up in the computer model and the scale model. And then to complete that step and fully validate, we had to do it at full scale. So a lot of the wave profiles and types that you saw, you know, in the, in the videos out there and all the visits, those were all created in the computer and in the scale model and uh, at full scale. And they all matched up one to one. Once that was done, it, one, it, the benefit to us is we don't have to build these expensive scale models anymore. Um, so what we, that's what allows us to do this degree of customization for new projects is because now we have the full confidence that whatever we put in this computer and do the computer simulation, like, that's going to translate work. full scale. Like, right. There's not a doubt. There's no doubt. Yeah. Okay. So what's next for the, the Palm Springs Surf Club? Because that's, that's been torn apart now, hasn't it? It's been destroyed. Correct. That, that pool. Yeah. Yeah, so the the phase one, uh, it served its purpose was one to uh, to do the proof of concept, you know, to validate and to get Casey could... Neistat out as well, of course. Yeah, of course. I mean, there was <laughs> they, <laughs> those guys get a hell of a job and get people out there and getting some eyeballs on it. They did a great job. Uh, so it, yeah, it was Jamie O'Brien as well. Then they got everybody out there. It was a free for all. I mean, yeah, those guys. I mean, they're they're super dialed in. They know a lot of people, and you'd see. I didn't even know about some of the visits. So you'd look and I'd see it on YouTube. I'm like, oh man, he was out there. <laughs> like <laughs> so you know want to go out there uh, but uh but yeah so it, it served its purpose it, you know we got some eyeballs on and validated the tech um you know we're able to you know sort of announce ourselves even though it wasn't a full fully optimized for commercial surf and a finished product um you know we were still really pleased by the results and that it validated everything that we were doing and, and gave us you know the, we've already had the confidence but i guess client confidence you know moving forward of course Right when we were about to launch, I had a, a list of, I would say, maybe 80, 100 people lined up to come. And then and then COVID hit, uh, which wow. threw a, a major curveball into into that. So, but like anything, it'll be resilient. We're just sort of used to taking hits and yeah. uh, and keep moving forward. But validated the tech and also gave, uh, you know, the guys at Palm Springs 
a platform to raise investment for phase two of the project, which will be open to the public and commercial and under construction on that right now. Um, and I'll, I'll let them, you know, kind of you know, handle on, on what's coming. But I think as of now, you know, you know, targeting, um, you know, an opening sometime, um, I think in like Q2, uh, 2022, but, okay. uh, those right. guys will be, you know, they'll be on that and start, uh, letting some stuff out. When I'll ready. need to give Shane Magnuson a call. Magnuson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So tell me about your other projects you're working around, on around the world. First of all, how many are there that you've signed up? Yeah, so I'd say um, under contract, you know, contract, these projects will go just a matter of time. We've got about uh, 12 and um, one already fully built and, um, you know, projects going from uh, United States, uh, Central America to around in Europe and then uh, in Australia as well. So uh, and then of these projects, a lot of different business models because of, and, and uh, operating types because of our ability to go extremely small uh, and we can pack quite a punch in you know a venue that's about 25,000 know, square feet you know, or maybe 2,300 square meters um, we've actually been able to secure we've already built one uh, completely private backyard wave pool and since bringing that online and hope to release some you know, some footage and some video on that you know in, in the coming months, um, but through those visits have been able to secure, uh, two additional private backyard pools that are much wow. bigger. Um, so looking at one and, um, is he very secretive about that? The owner of that pool? Yeah. I mean, these guys are, I mean, talk about <laughs> to the couple of the coolest guys you'll ever meet, you know, I was out there surfing it with them and I was like, man, you guys know, like you just did every surfer's dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you surfed it already. Oh yeah, I've surfed it a bunch. Uh, oh, awesome. It's 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 so surreal. Uh, you know, you, you walk back there and it's just residential lot, totally guarded by trees, and you come out and you're like, "There's nothing." And then there's this there's this pool, and then all of a sudden there's waves coming out, and you're so far from any ocean. It's 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 one of the coolest feelings. And then um, you know, people have been coming out, you know, to surf that, and been able to secure a couple other these private, you know, projects similar to you know, you'll have private golf clubs. Um, you know, people invest in a project that will be open to the public. But, you know, if, if somebody has, you know, some land and the, and the means can do something, you know, extremely private or, or a hybrid model, you know, kind of a mm-hmm. you know, shared member. So it's been it's been really exciting um, and a super fun wave um, to be able to do, um, you know, pools in that small of a footprint really opens up the possibilities of, of what's possible, of different business models and, you know, bringing the budget, the power, concrete and water way down. But it's still really fun. I mean, in, in a small thing, because I, I saw American Wave Machines' effort in, in New Jersey in, in the what's it, American Dream Mall. Yep. And that didn't look that amazing. I mean, maybe it feels great to surf it, but it's also quite a small wave. Um, so does it actually give you a lot of satisfaction? Is it, is it really amazing to surf? Uh, it, it's absolutely amazing to surf. Obviously, <clears throat> when we design that, it's, um, I guess I see more of like a deeper water wave. Um, so you can do rights, uh, lefts. There's not any defined uh, bottom contours, or I guess like a you know, like a reef system. Um, so you can, because it's a it's a more compact venue, so it was really leaning towards versatility. So being able to do rights, lefts, a frames, modifying the takeoff. There's air sections. We still have some uh, tweaking to do in terms of the profiles to get barreled. Um, I know everybody in the industry wants to be able to do everything. Obviously, we're all limited within the laws of physics, right? So. You know, the ride times are, you know, I think it's about, you know, eight to 10 seconds, depending on the size of the wave and the peel angle. Um, so for some commercial venues, I'm like, can we go bigger than that? Yeah, absolutely. It, uh, you know, just the bigger you go, it increases, you know, the, 
the right time. But is it a fun wave? It, it's it's an absolute fun wave. And then the spontaneity of it and the, the way that you can customize it will make sure that it's always, you know, fresh and engaging. I mean, even being there for a couple of weeks surfing it, you know, you'll ride one wave profile for a while. I'm like, okay, what else we got? What else we got? And there's just mm-hmm. endless. Can you just randomize it? And, and can you set it like totally random and have, because for example, when I was looking at Kelly Slater's surf competition, the WSL, when they were in, in the surf ranch, there was one wave exactly the same wave every four minutes boom 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 and it was i found it a bit boring to be honest and i think a lot of people did as well half people loved it half people hated it um and if you can randomize that kind of um a surf contest as it were in the ocean you could just put lulls in and you put big sets coming through and you can you do that have you guys worked on on a program like that i mean obviously you you it's just up to the software, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the software and then the, the, the HMI user interface uh, allows the operator for a, d- a degree of customization to modify essentially what each caisson is doing. You know, uh, Shane used the analogy of like, you know, we give a base profile and then you can create variations of that and almost like remixes of that. So, yeah, you once you, you know, you create your wave, you can, you know, cr- change all these different, you know, parameters of you know, just like pressure, delay, sequencing, uh uh, stroke, um, you know, lots of different things to, to create your own waves or unique waves. Um, you know, at some of these uh, uh, visits, we were able to have, you know, certain clients create their own wave and like save it, you name it. And then you have that almost like creating a playlist. So then we go out there and I'm like, hey, you know, Scott, what do you want to serve? I'm like, all right, I want to start off with <laughs> kind of like rippable rights and then, you know, going into, uh, you know, a different ones you can create, you know, like, okay, we're going to have four of these and six of these and, you know, mix and match whatever you want. Uh, so once you can tweak the, you know, the wave profiles, which is also done in the computer, then you hit save and it saves those parameters for basically what each caisson is going to do in order to create that wave. Name it and fire it in a playlist. Those wave names must be hilarious. There's some cool ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> some, some probably can't say uh, uh, on the air, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's cool. If it's a private lodge, it's fine. So yeah, tell yeah. me about Wiseman's Surf Lodge because they've got a bit of they've got a bit of publicity out there. So there's no secret about Wiseman's Surf Lodge down near Sydney in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems like a very unique location on the bend of a river just to the north of Sydney. As far as I, am I correct? Correct, correct. Yeah, um, that is a super cool project. Um, you know, really lucky and fortunate to be able to work in with that uh, development team. Um, really talented team with a, a lot of recognizable uh, surf names behind it. I haven't, you know, due to COVID and restrictions on travel, we haven't had the ability to go down there yet. But they've, you know, seen the videos and the pictures and the images of, you know, having the, the golf course there, there and the resort. I mean, it really looks like a private surf oasis. The project is going to be incredibly special. Nice. And and can you say who's involved in it, what the names are, and you're not allowed to say? Um, oh, in terms of, like, some of the surfers behind it? Yeah, like Paco, is he in it? Uh, I think it's some of the stuff is listed up, you know, on the on their website. Um, I'll, because a lot of the same names get tossed around for different projects, so I don't want to make a mistake. But anybody, okay, cool, wanna, yeah. I'm sure, you know, go check out the, the Wiseman site. They send out updates and they'll have the development team and the ambassadors behind it. I'll drop a link into the show notes so people can go and check that out. Yeah. Okay. So um, can you tell us anything more about any of the other projects? Because there's one in Malaga, I think. Is it Malaga or Mabea in Spain? As one in Malaga, Spain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we've got um, Wiseman's and then uh, I guess, well, Riff Not 10, another project. That one's been, when I was first brought on, Riff Not 10 was supposed to be built, I think, in, in, in 2015. Um, and, and Where's Riff about, Not 10? It's in uh, Rotterdam and the Netherlands. Okay. So, I mean. That, Surf that, Pool, it's been called. Yeah. So it's called Surf Pool as well. Huh? 
Yeah, 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 correct. So that one's been, you know, in the pipe for a long time, been delayed for every reason you can potentially imagine, uh, but fully funded and entitled. And then I guess up until I heard update last week that it still will be moving forward. So, uh, you know, excited that one's (laughs) been the one I should have been, but it's in the middle of a a city center and in in an existing canal. Um, So uh, that'll be exciting to get online as well. Yeah, we've got a few write-ups up that on on wavepoolmag.com. So you can go, I'll drop a link in the show notes about that one as well. Um, Yeah, and and then, yeah, other projects, you know, uh, talking about a project in Vegas, uh, Cabo, Hawaii, Dallas, Phoenix, uh, San Diego. Uh, Salt Lake, um, you know, obviously once we get to certain points, we can announce it by name, but, you know, all different uh, size pools. Uh, let's say one of the, the bigger waves of that, you know, we can do uh, like a 10 foot wave. So that'll be, yeah, yeah uh, we're excited wow. to bring that. Excited. Yeah, that one's uh, really unique. So a lot of planning that goes on behind that one, but almost. Uh, um, I mean, when, you, when you create a 10 foot wave, do you have to create a massive lake, a massive lagoon to put it in? Um with, with a, te- a lot more energy, obviously, pushing it. A lot of energy. Um, it, it gets incredibly complex in order to be able to tame that and then not only to create the wave, but to dissipate it and obviously be able to modify, whether it's 8 foot, 10 foot, 6 foot, um, being able to modify the, the takeoffs and the performance so that, like, hey, you can have the elite, you know, most talented surfers in the world be challenged. But then also for everyday surfers, hey, you know, maybe I want a nice chip in, mellow takeoff, hit my feet, set up, and then have that barrel section, you know, that we all try to travel and fly around the world for, um, yeah. to do that on a big wave. So essentially, it's you know really working with these teams to create the most makeable barrel that you can never do, you know, like outside the ocean, so that it's on tap. Uh, basically, taking the holy grail of surfing and just teeing it up. One thing to design that wave and think about it and dream it, and obviously all the computer programs are saying that you can create this, but um, do you reckon, how, how confident are you that it, that it can actually happen? Oh, 100% confident. Uh, yeah, I mean, through like I was saying, through the validation of the of the modeling and the scale models, and we've done a full scale on multiple times now uh, for, the, for the two projects that we've built, um, it's all it's all possible. I mean, it's, it's, it's just math. You do that the calcs, it, awesome. it's, it's going to be there. Obviously, the, the question mark for a lot of these venues, and not just for Surflock and any wave tech or any you know venue operator, um, you know, is you know especially when you're doing bigger waves. But it's, you know how it's going to be, uh, how it's going to be operated. You know, uh, what's that user experience going to be like? And everybody talks of you know throughput and however many thousands of waves per hour. But obviously, all that's going to have an impact on the surf experience. So, what are people willing to pay for that? How often are they going to come back? And I think mm. we're still. In the, in the mature, you know, sort of the infancy of this industry. And I think as more, you know, projects come online um, and get some uh, consistencies in consumer behavior, we'll start to see of, uh, you know, like, hey, this works, that doesn't, you know, maybe some, you know, projects are, you know, lend itself more to like heavy throughput and capacity and, you know, thousands of waves an hour. And some might be, you know, maybe a bit of a higher price point, but higher wave count. And, you know, it's a little bit of a different, you know, experience, more mellow. So, Because obviously if you've been surfing, you know, three to four foot waves in, in other wave pools around the world and and, uh, and you're paying, I don't know, 40 bucks an hour or something, you're going to want to throw in like a couple of hundred bucks to surf a 10 foot wave for sure. Yeah. And it's funny. I mean, we've we've done some, I guess, you know, unofficial research, obviously, but in, if you're teeing up that ultimate, um, you know, all of a sudden you just, that flips that mindset of, Instead, of like you know, we'll all go travel around the world to surf. But then, would people travel around the world to go surf in a pool if you tee that wave up? And then I think that's the target uh, to be able to do that. And there's not a lot of places in the world, you know, that can accommodate you know a wave like that. I mean, even even eight feet. 
uh, because it does require you know some resources uh, and a unique business model. And obviously, how do you um, determine who gets to ride that wave and who doesn't? Uh, every a lot of surfers have it. <laughs> I guess, uh, tend to inflate our abilities, right? Yeah. But just opening those thoughts, I mean, that might be incredible. You have a 10-foot pool, a 10-foot wave in a pool, just phenomenal. I'm really stoked and excited. It's such an exciting industry. It really is. But, um, yeah, Scott, thanks so much for coming along. I just want to ask you one more question. Um, as far as, as beginner wave pool developers go, when they come along to you and say, hey, Scott, uh, build me a wave pool, do you charge an entry fee to get into the surf luck club to weed out the tire kickers? <laughs> Sometimes I wish we did. Um, no, that short answer is no. Um, we do, I guess, the our process, like I said before, is really uh, consultant-driven. Uh, so it's, you know, what's the situation? What are you looking for? What are we working with? And, and what's the best surf solution for your situation? So it's not really copy-paste, cookie-cutter we do have some base solutions, um, but we can really take that different approach. Obviously, we can't take that with every single project. So there is a fair amount of you know, evaluation and qualification up front that takes place. But typically, the process is driven by a project's need for information, that level of detail, and how soon. So you know, we have it set up to where a lot of information can be shared up front, you know, uh, non-location specific cost, you know, foot, uh, footprint sizes, power ranges, water volumes, you know, and, and business models to and, and CapEx ranges to go find a site, you know, secure, get some options on it, build a basic model. Once the information starts getting specialized and unique to a specific site and, and detailed, you know, then we have different tiers and contracting levels, um, you know, for our engagement that all segue into you know, an equipment purchase, uh, you know, contract. And uh, in terms of, you know, Surflock's involvement in each project, um, we do offer turnkey solutions, um, you know, from the wave tech through maintenance and service all the way through operations, um, even on, you know, development consultant design build for construction as well. Um, and, you know, depending, but that doesn't fit for every situation. So, you know, some clients would, hey, we only want just the wave tech. You know, we want you know the wave tech and the service and you know maybe an operations contract. So um, it it really is us adjusting uh, to to a, a project's unique needs. Cool. Well, great. How do people get in touch with you? You can get in touch with us on uh, surflock.com and submit uh, you know a project or our general inquiry. It'll come to our global business development team and somebody will follow up with you some uh, information and. Um, yeah, look forward to exploring, you know, the project and um, and making some waves together. Yeah, well, good luck. I mean, it's been great chatting to you, and I'm really looking forward to to, to starting off on that easy takeoff ten foot wave. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> <Right>. amazing. <laughs> Maybe yeah. when I'm sixty. <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah, I mean, being able to adjust that it, it's huge. I mean, that came up in Palm Springs quite a bit. You know, I'd bring some uh, people out there, and they'd have that slab setting going. I'd be like, hey, Shane. I'm Oh, man, like I need to make this client feel successful. Let them <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nobody wants to pay. Nobody. I mean, once you're at a commercial venue, like nobody wants to pay, you know, hundreds of dollars to get tossed for an hour in front of a lot of people. Like you know, you have to. I think the key is you got to make people feel successful, um, and then want to you know light that fire in terms of their progression where everybody somebody's going, whether it's doing air or just working their technique. But yeah, in those situations, it was really cool when Shane would. Uh, I'm like, hey, dial it down. He's like, okay, just create this. I thing. think that's what they did with Casey Neistat, right? Because yeah, he was yeah, getting plunged. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's so funny. It's like you see that they get that easier takeoff, then they hit it, and then they get that barrel. So even in the course of an hour, you could really see, 
somebody's progression. And then when you get it dialed in, they just kind of get it more and more difficult. So it's really exciting, uh, you know, obviously selfishly in terms of how quickly we're going to all progress and get better. Um, but even, you know, almost mind blowing on how fast somebody could pr- uh, progress surfing for their first time in a pool. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Cause I've been surfing all my life and I still haven't progressed. <laughs> <laughs> I know we all kind of plateaued a little bit, right? Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. Nick, cool. yeah, it's, it's, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Meg. For your curiosity and stoke.